0: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective, 2020 on Vision. You've probably noticed the ever-tightening restrictions being imposed around the idea of social distancing under the threat of COVID-19, the coronavirus. Of course, our chief health officers, not only federally but in all the states, are responsible for the well-being of the entire community and I've seen no reluctance from the Christian church to act in ways that are contrary to those directions. The latest announcement is that non-essential indoor gatherings of more than a 100 people have been banned by the federal government as the country responds to the coronavirus pandemic. But there's a significant issue for many that comes from the idea that churches may be closed because of the coronavirus threat, and for many that's their sanctuary from a despairing world. It's the relationships that they've formed within their local church community. Oftentimes, for many, it's like family. We sometimes talk about church family becomes really important when you think you might be about to lose your church family for a while. For so many churches, a lifeline. Church is the place where the good news drowns out the bad news for at least an hour or two on a Sunday. Well, our guest today has been reflecting on the effects of churches closing doors, both the threats and no doubt we'll talk about some of the possibilities that also presents. David Robertson is Director of Third Space Ministries in Sydney a 21st century evangelism project with the goal of teaching Christians how to engage more creatively and effectively in their communities. He hails from Scotland, where he led the St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee for 27 years. He's working with the City Bible Forum in Sydney. He's a prolific blogger. The blog site is called com. Uh, Let's make
1: a special welcome, David Robertson. Welcome back to 2020. Yeah, it's good to be back with you, um, even in these circumstances, in (laughs) fact, especially in these circumstances, because it's good to be discussing these.
0: Well, for such a time as this, David, because uh, when you deal with the sorts of issues and issues of the heart and attitudes that Christian believers have, when we're struck with a crisis like this, uh, what you're writing about becomes so much more effective. Uh, You've been writing a lot of things uh, of late, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I I tend to do that anyway. Um, I, I, particularly on, on this issue, though, because, of course, for, for several reasons, it's almost all that anyone's talking about. Um, I was just down here in the CBD in Sydney uh, at my local coffee shop, and the guy was saying, unless something changes fairly soon, this family-run business for many decades is going to have to close. Um, and so you see the impact on that. You see the impact on the trains. You see the impact when you go to the shops. And now, of course, we're seeing the impact in churches and. I see in a lot of people's faces a lot of fear. And I think the gospel, we're in a world full of bad news, and we actually have some really good news in this world.
0: Interesting for Christian believers. Uh, I was talking to our vision chaplain just a short while ago who was reflecting on the idea that when a crisis like this comes, it does sort you out a little, and really, where you've been talking about, and sometimes just in theory, the sorts of issues that make your faith powerful and effective. Well, this comes to the fore when the rubber hits the road. Right now, when you've got something that you really can apply your faith to, uh, it is something that uh, that can sort us out a little bit, sort out our thinking,
1: sort out our attitudes. Yeah, it does. I think. Um, I, I think there's there's a sifting going in terms of society, but I also think that it's, this is revealing a whole lot of stuff about the church as well. And I think this is a real challenge for the church, because I think this is a genuine crisis. Um, dare I say it, part of me feels that some of it is overblown. I don't mean in any kind of conspiracy theory way, but it's as though our society has woken up to the fact that we're mortal, and as though this is something new and it's not new, we were all mortal. Um, but I, you know, I have a friend who works, for example, in TB research and, and he was saying, he was telling me that last year, 1.6 million people died of TB. <laughs> and, you know, we, we hear nothing of that. And so far we have what, over five thousand, six six a half thousand actually people who've died of this virus and possibly, you know, there's going to be a whole lot more, but um, it, you know, there's this sense of pervading doom, I think, that people have. And it, it's it's a real test for the church as well. And we're only early days, and yeah.
0: we've seen some of the effects of what happens when something of fear starts to creep into the community. And, and, uh, and I think, you know, trying not to be overblown, trying not to exaggerate, uh, we know that we are in for the worst is yet to come. This idea of despair, now I wonder whether it's too early to be using a word like that, but because we haven't lost many lives in Australia. We're seeing the reports of loss of lives overseas. I'm thinking in Italy overnight, 348 people died. Uh, So those sorts of numbers may well reach our shores, and at that point we'll be at a point where we start to talk about words like despair. What comes to mind when you use a word like that?
1: Well, I, I think d- despair right now is actually where a lot of people are getting. And, and it's because of the endless drip of news. You know, so one of the things that bothers me is we, we talk about social isolation or social distancing and so on. And I do think, you know, I think this virus is serious. I think it should be taken seriously. I think for my own personal life, there are some things have changed. I wash my hands a lot more. Um, I, I avoid unnecessary, if I can, travel but it's the question of what's necessary, and I think in terms of church and people. So let me give you a personal example. Back in Scotland, my parents are in their 80s. They, are, they have lots of pre-existing conditions. As my sister said, if they get this virus, they're probably finished. But to be honest, if they get a cold or the normal flu. And I think that's true. And I was speaking to my mother, and she's terrified Not getting the virus. She's terrified of being ostracized and left alone. Um, She would rather... She she knows she's going to die. She's 85. You know, and she's fully aware of that. She's a Christian. Um, This idea that somehow people can lock themselves away... I can understand for two weeks people think it's like Christmas. But if this was to go on for six months, as the Prime Minister has just said it will then I suspect that the fear and the panic and, you know, the the isolation will do as much, if not more harm, than the actual virus. So that's why the church needs a very measured and careful response in this. And we need to think about the wider issues. We need to think about how the church has coped with things like plague in the past. We need to not just reflect the society, but we need to bring hope because you asked me, what what do I think of this in terms of what word do I associate with despair? And I would say, despair is hopelessness. And a Christian does not have hopelessness. We have great hope. And I think this is a, in in the the Greek language, they, they talk about a kairos moment, a kairos time. And I think this is a great time for the church to step up to the plate, not to reflect the fears of society, but to express the great hope that we have in Christ.
0: I sometimes like to reflect on this eternal hope that we have as power in the present and empowering yeah. now to be above the typical, ordinary fears and yeah. and this word despair, uh, but this assurance that we have in our hearts of salvation—that is such a powerful thing that ought to uh, give us some momentum to be able to look to overcome some of the challenges and despair that those perhaps in our wider communities are experiencing.
1: Yes, I think so, and I, I, I and I think uh, to be honest, there are some aspects of how. The church has responded here, which I've found profoundly disturbing. Um, um, one of them is this, the reflection of what I can only call a hysteria within the culture and the society. And, you know, saying to people, just calm down, isn't enough. You know, telling people not to panic, it's a bit like when people on social media uh, post a photograph of Woolies or any other supermarkets, calls you know, shelves empty and say, isn't it terrible that people are hoarding? And of course, what that does is it encourages more hoarding because people see the empty shelves and they go and do it. When we say, don't panic, calm down, then it, it, I think that actually doesn't, doesn't help. What we need to do is not just tell people not to do something. We need to present them with the hope that we have in Christ. And I take this as a really personal level because uh, in 2011, I came very close to dying. I was in a coma for several weeks, and I wasn't expected to live. And I did live. And ever since then, I've lived with the knowledge in my heart that I am mortal. I think I had the knowledge in my head before, but in my heart I had it. So I have to say that for me at this moment, I don't have this fear of, oh, no, we're all going to die what I'm more afraid of, if you like, is that the church just joins in the panic. Now, I, I'm not one of these people who says, oh, it doesn't matter, we can do whatever we want, and God is going to look after us. No, I don't walk out in the middle of the road saying that a car's not going to hit me because I'm a Christian. But it does mean that what Peter says, do not fear what they fear. And uh, I, for me, and you know, those of your listeners who are believers... We have nothing to lose, and we have everything to gain by serving people and helping people and, and expressing our hope in Christ.
0: David lots of churches this weekend will be closing their doors. Uh, yep. Some of them will go to using the technology, live streaming their services and lots of them are uh, in a uh, you know uh, going around in a state of madness now trying to get that technology in place to make that work. For a lot of churches though, they might not have that technological ability. There may be somebody, you know, no one in the congregation has that skill to be able to actually make that happen for their local church. Those ones are the ones who perhaps have lots to lose because somehow or other their church doors will close and uh, there'll be some level of pastoral care that will come sporadically, but, uh, but they won't have that uh-huh. gathering. What have we got yes. to lose by losing the gathering of the saints, the gathering of the people of God and uh, for a time of worship, prayer and fellowship?
1: We have, we have got a lot to lose. Now, I'm probably going to be going counterintuitive here. Uh, I was due to be preaching at St. Thomas's Church in Sydney, uh, an, an outreach invitation service on what is your hope. You know, ideally, I would love to go ahead with it, but given the government announcement, I'm pretty certain we can't because it's gatherings of 100 and we're well over that. Um, and I suspect we will end up live streaming stuff and so on. But there are churches who can't do that. However, there's a very important point for me here. And that is that the very word church, ecclesia, means the gathered assembly. And I think the very physicality of Christianity is very important. In other words, I don't believe in virtual church. I don't think you can do virtual church. I think what you can do is um, you can uh, help people with teaching. You can do various things just as you can phone someone. But, I mean, can you, you just imagine? The way I would describe it is this. If I'm married to somebody... I never see them. I never touch them. All I do is phone them or write them an email. We're in contact, but it's not exactly much of a marriage. And I think that there's a physicality in in the church, people being together. I think, for example, people who don't have the technology, but even those of us who do. I'm sorry, I have 5,000 friends on Facebook. I don't have 5,000 friends. Friends are people you meet with. And when you think about it in Christian terms, think how much is physical. The sacraments are physical. Baptism, the Lord's Supper is physical. We, you know, greet one another with a holy kiss. We're not going to be doing that now for a while. You know, give the right hand of fellowship. Or um, the, the, the beauty of the church is that we're meeting together as a diverse group of the people of God. The danger of virtual church is, or just we groups in our own homes is it's just our friends, it's just us. And then the other big issue here for me is what about the community? They see church buildings closed. What message are they getting? So I quite like what the Church of England has done. They've they've said to, in effect, close their services, but they've they're leaving their buildings open for prayer, which I, that's at least one thing. But I, I I think there are a lot of people who I think have an inadequate understanding of what the church is who are saying, oh, it doesn't matter. We'll just do virtual church. And I'm going no. To me, that's like virtual marriage or virtual friendship or uh, it's it's not what the church is about so as a temporary measure as you know live streaming services as a means of staying in contact with people yes very short term but we need to think extremely carefully about the implications of this you know i was quite interested that the government talked about necessary what's necessary I've been reading um, Martin Luther's letter on the plague when he decided to stay in Wittenberg when the plague was there. And he gives some great advice. It's a letter really worth reading. He says, you know, if you can get it out, you know, make sure you keep personal hygiene. Don't assume that God is just going to protect you. Uh, prepare yourself for death. The plague was far more virulent than coronavirus. You're expecting, you know, one third of people to die. And this it's one percent with this of those who get it. Um, He said all of that, but at the same time, and he said about the church, close down everything except Sunday services, because we need people to hear the word of God to prepare themselves. And I know we can do that online, and I know Christian Radio is a wonderful resource, but the church is still the gathered people of God, and I'm very, very reluctant to give that up.
0: This is 2020 with Neil Johnson. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest this hour, David Robertson, who's Director of Third Space Ministries in Sydney. He works with the City Bible Forum. He's a prolific blogger. We're talking about church. Will the churches lose ground or gain ground by closing doors because of coronavirus? Talking through some of the issues around this, and we'll take some calls as they come through. In fact, why don't we start off with a call before we move on to some other areas. Margaret is on the line from Jindalup in WA. Margaret, welcome along. Good morning. Margaret, what are your thoughts for our conversation today?
2: I think... We, we still need to gather, but in God's own cathedral, in the outdoors, in a beautiful park, crowds could come together, you know, spaced apart so we're not too close and praise the Lord together. And we not only would be encouraging one another, but we'd be a witness to the, to the community around us that these Christians are still, still praising God, even though there's adversity around us. And we're not touching anything. We're not, we're not uh, infecting anybody by keeping in the fresh air and and the distance apart. And we don't have to have, uh, you know, uh, ex- wonderful music or anything. We can just come together and the, and the spirit of our our praise together uh, in God's own cathedral with the sky as our roof, in good weather of course, <laughs> and a nice warm coat
0: on. Margaret. You know, uh, I'm sure the regulations around 100 people probably exist for outdoors as well as in, but uh, let's get a thought or two from David here. David, you know, meet outdoors. Let's go public with our Christianity. Let's go public be in meeting in public par- parks, showing the world that uh, that we're not afraid to meet together. What are your thoughts here for Margaret?
1: Well, I, I actually think it's generally a good idea, although I think you need to be aware there probably will be a bit of a reaction for some people because there is a hysteria. People look at you if you're in any kind of gathering. I also think our buildings are public, but I'm very, very much for open-air worship, um, especially here in Australia. In Scotland, it's a wee bit more difficult because of the weather. Yeah. But, yeah, I personally, I, I think it's, a, it's a, a good idea, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's not the kind of silver bullet. I, I do think if we can, it's good to meet together, even in small groups, but... Yeah, no, it's an interesting idea,
0: Margaret. Margaret, thank you so much for contributing today. It is a good idea. And, uh, you know, I guess there's a few conditions on there, but uh, no doubt there'll be some who are thinking, I wonder whether our church could meet in a public park. And uh, if you've got more than 100 people, though, that might also uh, contravene some of those regulations. Let's talk about small groups for a few moments here, David, because uh, a lot of churches, they have a small group element of their church. Uh, They might have the major gathering on a Sunday, but then small groups meeting of the week, is small groups. I know you mentioned it's probably not quite the full experience, but it is at least a fellowship experience, isn't it?
1: Yes, I think that um, my my fear at the moment is that some churches think, well, all we'll do is we'll live stream, you know, our worship band and a preacher, and then everyone can get that. Um, I think we need to be very wary of that. I think that we are going to have to work really, really hard To include people and I I mean I do know some churches who are even stopping small groups and people are very afraid of that I would say no providing you have the the proper precautions I think it's good the only difficulty with a small group would be if it's just me and my friends because one of the great advantages of churches we meet people from different backgrounds who we might not always normally associate with so I do think where churches already have small groups perhaps they should think about using them as the basis for their um, Sunday gatherings. I think we, we had a practice when I, when I grew up in Scotland, which was a really good practice of family worship. And, a, you know, I wish people had that a bit more. But in a sense, every home is like a church. And you, you would read and you would pray and you would sing. Um, that was done on a, on a daily basis. But maybe especially on a Sunday, you could have um, some neighboring Christians in... It would be a small group, you know, 10, maybe 12 people. You could fit them in. Um, You know, take the suitable precautions with the hand sanitizer and the, you know, not hugging one another and all that kind of stuff. But just meeting to pray, to hear God's word. Uh, You might want to listen to a sermon or something online. But personally, I think just opening up the Bible uh, there directly is is. Is something you know, and I, I think in a lot of cases that is, of course, what the early church did—that it met in people's homes. So I still think we can have the ecclesia, the gathering, but I think it will not be the—it certainly won't be the five hundred, one thousand in some of the bigger churches, and now it won't be the one hundred plus. But we can we can have small groups, and I, I I think we should very carefully consider that. I think some of it will be spontaneous. But church leaderships need to think how it can be organized. Because if this goes on for six months, as the Prime Minister was suggesting, then I'm afraid this kind of, well, I'm having a two-week holiday from church thing, will soon disappear And I suspect a lot of long-term damage is going to be done if if we don't do this.
0: David, just before we go to a caller, just let me just ask you to reflect for a moment. We've had 174 people responded, uh, 76%, or rather, sorry, 67%. Now, I'm not really dyslexic, but I've read that wrongly. Sixty-seven percent say the church will gain by closing the doors. I wonder whether you've got any thoughts on uh, on what pi- people might be thinking as they've interpreted that question about whether churches will lose ground or gain ground because of what is coming upon us. Any thoughts here?
1: I think that's just good old Aussie optimism. <laughs> okay. Um, I I I think we are not taking this um seriously i i think the long-term effects of this the medium-term effects of this as well could be far more serious than people think it just sounds great you know yeah we don't we don't need church buildings we don't need church meetings we we can just meet online we can all be community and all the rest of it i'm saying in theory that all sounds wonderful in practice i question how it's going to work and i suspect it's interesting because in my local cafe here Uh, The guy said, you know, we may have to close not just because of this, but because the whole work pattern may change. People may think, do you know this? We don't actually need to come into work in the CBD anymore. We can work from home. Companies may decide we don't need these offices. And I think that you may find that people will start thinking, well, if church is not essential and if we can be the church without, then what do we need? And and to me, that's already been growing within Christianity, and that may accelerate it. And I I, I have severe concerns about that. So it's possible God could turn this around. It's possible that this could be used for great good. I I agree with that. But humanly speaking, just looking at it as it is, I think this is a very um, disturbing time, and we need to be much more uh, aware of the potential dangers than I think we are
0: well that is a really significant comment on how that poll looks right now and uh, and uh, when i do these polls uh, no other reason other than it gives us a real time checking of the pulse of Christians not only in one town city or state but right around the nation as to what the way they're thinking about uh, the challenges that might be confronting us and uh, as you say that might be reflective uh, perhaps not so much of a people of faith but there's a little bit of good old Aussie optimism mixed in there and uh, there's opportunity there when you do uh, when you do respond with a vote on that Facebook question uh, I encourage you to join in whatever conversation is going because listeners are giving their own comments as to why they perhaps have written the way that they have or voted the way that they have will churches lose ground or gain ground by closing doors because of coronavirus we'll update that poll in just a few minutes let's take another call let's hear from philip in perth hello philip welcome along yeah, hi good morning philip what are your thoughts for our conversation today
3: well, my thoughts is I'm uh, very grief and sad to hear <clears throat> what's been spoken and uh, what I've been reading all this time um, from uh, fellow Christian around the world. Um, actually, we will be losing ground by uh, closing church. The reason why is we have to look at the church as a lighthouse in that area. So if the lighthouse is switched off, uh, that will be finished. If we can see it in that way, uh, and also Bible reminds us, we are the light of the world.
0: Philip, so. good thoughts there. Let's get a response here from David. Uh, the idea of the church is a lighthouse. Switch off the light, and that's not good. Uh, your thoughts, David?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm 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 with Philip 100%. I say Amen to that because um, I, I I'm thinking of the phrase "Don't hide your light under a bushel." And we are thinking, well, okay, we're putting our light online, or we're, um, you know, the church is meeting. But I'm saying, yeah, but 90% of the population don't go to church. And this is the one time where we're need, we need to be in public and open. So, for example, um, in the Antonine Plague in the year AD 165 in Rome, Basically, the pagans fled, the rich uh, rulers and everything fled the city of Rome, but the Christians stayed and ministered to the sick. And I know that people, you know, people who are closing church are not saying, oh, we're not going to minister to the sick and we've got hospitals and all the rest of it. But I'm talking about what Philip is talking about, being the light of the world and the spiritual need that's there. So I think Philip is absolutely spot on. I mean, this is what disturbs me about all of this. It's like, well, we've got to bunker down the same as everybody else. And um, then when things get back to normal, we can start being a witness again kind of thing. And I'm, I'm saying, well, actually, maybe now's the time that we should be more open than, you know, so... Uh, yeah, I'm 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 with Philip totally.
0: Philip, thank you so much for your call. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen to join in our conversation today. Let's broaden this idea of who's sick because uh, interestingly, when we talk about 10% of the population gathering together for church, some might argue with some of those numbers. Some will argue that it depends on how you look at that. Actually, it's more than 10% that actually does meet uh, monthly in Australia. But let's talk on that 10% level, 10%. And Then ministering to the sick, we think of people who might have symptoms of a coronavirus. But let's broaden that for a moment here, David, and talk about the message of good news that we carry as Christian believers to the 90% that we could include as not having access to this same hope, this same salvation. Uh, We could include the rest of the population as being, in some sense here, sick. And if we might be talking spiritually, that's all right too. But what are your thoughts here? for the way that we are to be the light that ought not be shut down.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think this is a very strange thing that human beings, that in the modern world, we try and disconnect ourselves from the, the reality that's true for every single one of us. This is one statistic that cannot be d- denied, and that is 100% of us will die. Now, it looks like 1% of those who get coronavirus will die. We reckon that the, the, the rate will end up being around that. Um, but the reality is that 100% of us are going to die at some point. And, you know, what's Hebrews 9, It's appointed unto men once to die and after that to face judgment. And I believe that the vast majority of Whatever the percentages are, the vast majority of our fellow citizens here in Australia um, do not live with that reality, and that what coronavirus is doing is causing some people to face up to their mortality. Now, they don't know how to cope with it. I mean, this is how you end up with people rushing out to buy toilet paper to survive. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's bizarre. It's weird, but. That's the mentality that people have. And what we need people to do is face up to the fact we are mortal, we are going to die. And in the words of Ecclesiastes, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also said eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what He has done from beginning to end. And there is something within us of the eternal, being faced with our own mortality. It does make us afraid. It does cause lots of different things. But there is the great opportunity because Hebrews tells us that Jesus came to free those who all their lives are held in slavery by their fear of death. And I think that we have this great opportunity to set the captives free. I look around and in, in Sydney just now, in my view, there is this atmosphere of fear. You're in the CBD and I would say it's about a third of what it normally is just now. Uh, even when I walk around my local area in our town go in other places, I would say, in general, there is an atmosphere of fear and there is an atmosphere of uh, worry and concern. And that's where we as the church need to stand up and say, not don't fear, but we're saying we have just this great hope in Jesus Christ. And uh, I, I personally believe that th- this is shaking our country i think it's shaking the church but i think it will be a real test of the church if we um use this if we use or take this opportunity that god has given us
0: talk back line open 1-800-316-316 let's take another call emma is on the line from port fairy in victoria hi emma welcome
2: good morning and how are you
0: good emma what are your thoughts for our conversation
2: I'll be honest, I think it's a bad idea for the church closed down.
0: Because uh,
2: the reason is God's there. And God, because we like to worship the God where he is now.
0: God's because, there in our church and, you know, we might be able to reflect that God is everywhere, but for a lot of people... God is at the church. If I don't go to church, I'm not connecting with God. Emma, good thought in there. Let's get a thought or two here from David. Uh, David, what are your thoughts and encouragement for Emma? Yeah,
1: I think that it is right and proper to say that we don't need to be in a church building or in a gathering of people in order to experience God. I think that is true. I think God is everywhere when I worship in my home uh, and so on. However, I do think that Emma is right. Because I think there is a special promise where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. I think there is a special, often a special sense of God's presence. And I know that there are people who would say what, about what Emma is saying, oh, no, no, God is everywhere. And I'm saying, yes, but my experience of God tends to be um, when I'm gathered more with his people now i have it in other places paul in corinthians says that they want he wants the unbeliever to come in into the gathering of god's people and say truly god is amongst you now whether that gathering is in a church building or a home or a park or whatever as we've been discussing is not really the main issue for me the issue is the gathering of god's people so i'm I, again. Um, I'm finding myself agreeing with all your callers. I, I I agree with them. I think that there is a, a a special sense of the presence of God when we're gathered together with other Christians. And I really hope that if even though the kind of institutional churches may close down and move to virtual church and so on, I really hope that the Lord's people will still gather in small groups anyway.
0: Thank you so much to Emma in Port Ferry, 1-800-316-316. And you can call and you can uh, be a little bit more disruptive and disagree with uh, some of the things here that uh, David is saying. He finds himself agreeing with listeners. Uh, let's take another call. Let's hear from Jonathan, uh, who's in WA. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome.
3: Yeah, hello, Neil. You know, uh, according to what uh, he was saying, Jonah, the Bible says, God said, forget not my assembly. as all do. So if you forget about coming together, I don't know what sense in that. Yeah, going to church will not make you a big Christian. But some people forget about Psalm 91. Psalm 91 says something. They don't trust God. Because what God says, he honor his word. So if he says that he will protect you, that even if 10,000 or 1,000 fall on the right, don't be afraid of it. Because you will see it, but it will not come near you. So I don't know why people are afraid. You know, the the quick all take decision, but when time comes the effect then they blame God. It's not easy to burn churches, people that were cool that not strong in the things of God. Are, not going to, church, what will be
0: the result? Jonathan, good thoughts in there, and no doubt Psalm 91 will be a very popular psalm for believers perhaps who haven't opened up that psalm for a while, just to read through there and be encouraged about the way that God can preserve his people. Uh, your thoughts for Jonathan, David.
1: Yeah, well, Psalm 91 is very special to me because when I almost died, that was the psalm. In fact, uh, Sons of Korah, an Australian band from Melbourne, um, they have a a sung version of it, which is absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And, uh, you know, I agree with Jonathan that we look for the protection of God. However, again, going back to Martin Luther's tract on the plague, he said we should take all sensible precautions. So uh, I think that... um, it's it you're balancing risk, we're not going to be able to have this this perfect world. and I would just simply say that the the i do I, I pray that God would protect us as we gather together. I'm not going to stop visiting people. I'm you know the elderly or the sick or whatever I'm just not going to do that, and I'm not going to isolate and cut myself off from every other believer. I will do if I'm sick, or if I'm in contact with people who've had coronavirus, because I don't want to be a, a passer-on of it. But um, I think Jonathan's basic position is correct, that you know we look to the Lord to protect his people, and it, it depends how important we see the gathering together of God's people it is. And I, I tend towards the, the, the end of the spectrum, which regards it as essential.
0: Thank you so much to Jonathan in WA. Let's take some more calls. Let's hear from Trish. Trish is on the line from South Australia. Hi, Trish. Welcome.
2: I just wanted to say that God's word hasn't changed. He says, fear not, and that stands. Fear is, uh, is panic, and we're not to panic. And I also feel it's an open demonstration that, that we are fearing
0: if we close church. Yes. yes, powerful thought. Uh, for Trish, what are your thoughts here David?
1: Yeah, I'm afraid I, I I have to agree with that. I think the fear not it doesn't mean, I mean I'm you, you, it, again it doesn't mean that you don't take care of or consider things and so on, but to have the fear that the, that the society and the world has I don't think we should have and I do think that the public closure of churches when we don 't have to I think we have to obey the government when it tells us to, but when we don 't have to, I think it, it, it is making a statement, even if we don 't want to make that statement. I think it is saying to people, "We do fear what you fear. Um, I know that we say we 're doing it in order to prevent transmission and everything else, but i I suspect as well there are other reasons, so for example i some churches I was in recently within my work, they were saying we 're going to have to close anyway because people have stopped coming you know and they, they are, or their numbers are well down, numbers down twenty percent, thirty percent or whatever, and that 's because people are afraid, and I do think that I agree with Trish again i I, I think that that is that 's a sad um, situation for the church to find itself in. Thank you so much, Trish.
0: We'll have to draw a line under calls. Take one more. Lucy is on the line from Brisbane. Hi, Lucy.
2: Hello, how are you? Good,
0: Lucy. What are your thoughts quickly?
2: Just um, one question that I had. I've, I'm in agreement with what I've heard so far. I did tune in about halfway through the conversation. But one thing that somebody said to me that I, I don't didn't really have a response for was if if the government officials are putting down the the requirement that there's no gatherings over 100 people or 500, whatever the number is, then what kind of message are we sending to those around us that are not saved if we refuse to obey that? That's a comment that came to me that I thought was interesting, had no response on, and I'd be interested in some thought. Uh,
1: David, yeah. your thoughts for Lucy? Yeah, very quickly, Lucy. I, again, uh, I think we are obliged to obey the government unless they command us to do something that is wrong. And that's why I'm saying now that the, when it was 500, we should have obeyed that. When it's 100, I think we should obey that. I don't think churches that are over 100 should should meet. Uh, but I don't think that we should close churches. So let's say you had a church, and most churches are not vastly over two or 300. Let's say you have a church of two to 300. Why not have two services or three services? You know, there could be different things that go on. But I, I, I agree with you completely. I think we are under obligation to obey the government but my concern in what we've been discussing is um, when the church is going ahead of the government and saying actually we're going to do more than what the government says we're going to shut down completely because um, why because we're scared of transmission perhaps because we're losing people because we want to show that we care and and I'm saying well, we need to balance it all out, but definitely we, I, we are obligated to obey the government.
0: Thanks for your call, Lucy, and we won't be able to take any more calls. Uh, lots of listeners trying to get through on our uh, conversation today. It's gone a different way than some might have anticipated. Uh, let's just tie some loose ends together here, uh, David. The barrier is down. The mask of deception is removed people right across the nation, around the world, are realizing our own mortality. Here we are as Christian believers. We have a message of hope. We have a message of salvation. We have a message of eternal life. Uh, There is opportunity here that we ought not to be uh, taking lightly, and we dare not miss it. Uh, Just as we wrap things together, the opportunity that is presented uh, so far as, our Christian faith goes, and to a wider community. What are your thoughts here, Dave?
1: First of all, can I please advise your listeners, do not spend most of the day listening to news <laughs> um, because you're just going to get so depressed with all the different things. Get your news, get your information, but then get into the Word, get your hope from Christ. If you can, meet with your fellow Christians and then communicate Christ to the people around you. These are gr- these are great days in terms of gospel opportunity, because we are able to say, you know, we are all mortal, but whoever believes in me says Jesus shall have eternal life. And just as I spoke to the children last Sunday and said to them, you don't need to be afraid. When you're in the dark, you ask your father to help you. You can ask your heavenly father. You can ask Jesus to help you, and he will. We can point our friends, family, colleagues in this time of need, we can point them towards Christ. I do think it's a great opportunity. But it's only an opportunity if we ourselves feel and are aware of that. So I think I'm honestly I can honestly sit here and say I am not in despair for my own life. I'm not in despair for all the Lord's people. I think and I'm not even in despair for this country because I do believe that this is God shaking it up and and um I would encourage your Christian our Christian brothers and sisters, your Christian listeners to be optimistic about what is happening. And I would encourage those who are not yet Christians to seek their hope in Christ. Because believe you me, if, if your whole life, if the economies, if everything can be floored by a tiny microbe, our lives are fragile. We need to seek our security elsewhere, and our security is in Christ. And I'll
0: remind listeners, uh, some have listened to the whole of this conversation, others have come in part way through and only caught a little bit of it. It is a conversation that you might want to listen to in its entirety again, or you might like to copy this conversation from a podcast link and send it to people who are within your local church uh, people more broadly in the community it's been an important conversation later on this afternoon this conversation will be available as a podcast and yes it's easy to copy and paste that link and others will be able to listen to it as well David Robertson is director of the Third Space Ministries in Sydney, he works with the City Bible Forum, he's also a prolific blogger, let me give you a website for his blog. It's called the dot And uh, not an explanation about uh, the name of that uh, blog site, but com. You can also connect with City Bible Forum in capital cities all around this wonderful nation of ours. Citybibleforum.org do wonderful work in the CBDs of our capital cities. And uh, for those who've responded on our Facebook question, thank you so much for responding. Will churches lose ground or gain ground? By closing doors because of the coronavirus, well, uh, 220 votes uh, from listeners and uh, 67% uh, with what David Robertson calls perhaps a little bit of old-fashioned Aussie optimism there. 67% are saying we'll gain ground. Of course, it's all very conditional, isn't it? But David Robertson, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020.
1: Thank you. God bless you all.